tonight. How pro-abortion advocates march toward eugenics. I'm Roaming Millennial, and you're watching Uncensored. Welcome back to the show. Today we are going to be talking about the pro-abortion lobby's continuing march toward eugenics. Now, when it comes to the issue of abortion, I am pro-life. But with that being said, I've had a lot of great conversations with people who are pro-choice about things like when exactly does a person constitute a person? When does life begin? Is it from the moment of conception? And if not, then when? Is it from the moment you feel pain? Is it from the moment you develop a heartbeat? Is it from the moment that you're conscious? And you know what, when it comes to those issues, from what I've seen, most people who identify as pro-choice even then still admit that at a certain point during pregnancies, abortions should be off limit. You shouldn't be able to terminate a pregnancy right up to the moment that a baby is about to be born, right up to the moment when a woman is dilating and about to give birth. However, there is in fact a section of the pro-choice lobby that is not just pro-choice in that they support a woman's right to choose whether to get an abortion, they are in fact pro abortion. They don't see abortions as negative things, as grave and serious choices for a woman to make. They actually, they think abortions are great, empowering, something to be shouted out and celebrated. While most pro-choice people might look at someone who is six, seven, eight, or even nine months pregnant and say, no, I'm, I'm sorry, if you wanted an abortion, you really should have gotten that settled a long time ago. But when it comes to pro-abortion people, they have no such hesitations about terminating pregnancies of viable babies. That's right, I said babies, not fetus, not embryo. These are babies we're talking about. And before any of you watching this says, whoa, 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 okay, I know these abortion extremists exist, but but they're, they're fringe, they're nowhere near the mainstream. Well, I... I wish you were right. According to a recent Pew survey, 25% of people, that's one in four people, believe that abortion should be legal in all cases. All cases. And don't get me wrong, 25% of people is not all or even most people, but still, that is a shocking amount of people who believe that for some arbitrary reason, passing a vaginal canal is what must happen, the rite of passage we must go through before we earn the right to not be killed. And even more terrifying than just general public opinion is the fact that New York State recently passed legislation that actually allows abortion, yes, right up until the moment of birth. As YouTuber Matt Christensen recently explained, As far as the content of the new law, it takes abortion out of the state's criminal code entirely, now regulating the issue as a matter of public health. Which means that previous law that criminally banned acts that harm a fetus in utero and banned abortions after 24 weeks except if the mother's life is at stake is now out the window. It expands the pool of people who can legally perform abortions to include non-physicians. It allows abortions up to point of birth if the fetus is non-viable or the mother's health is at risk. And that's not just the mother's life at risk, mind you, that's the mother's health. It's a much looser term that assuredly will be interpreted much more loosely. The law also removes existing protections for babies that survive an abortion procedure, meaning medical professionals no longer have an obligation to care for a child that survives survives the process, at least as far as New York State is concerned. Now, I just really want to clarify so that we're all on the same page, that as 
anyone who is at all familiar with legislation surrounding abortion know that when it comes to abortion laws, there is always, always the caveat that if the life of the mother is in danger, then anything medically necessary that could be done should be done to protect her life. If of course that's even what she wants, because as we've seen when faced with that terrible decision, having to choose between her own life and her baby's life, some women do refuse life-saving treatments in order to preserve the life of their child. And what a lot of people have been bringing up in regard to this awful, terrible law is the fact that, yeah, third trimester pregnancies are viable. So in cases where if to perform an abortion, you would have to kill the baby and then deliver it, why not just deliver the baby first before killing it? But then, not to be outdone, the state of Virginia is now also dealing with its own late-term abortion controversy. Last week, this exchange with Kathy Tran, who serves on the state's legislature, went viral. How late in the third trimester could a, a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the, of the woman? Or physical health. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm um, talking about the mental health. So, I mean, through the third trimester. The third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks. Okay. But to the end of the third trimester. Yep, I don't think we have a limit in the bill. So, um, where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth, she has physical signs of, of, that she is about to give a birth, would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician, and the woman would I understand make that. that. I'm asking point. if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that, yes. Please realize, guys, that when we're talking about abortions right up until the minute of birth, we're, we're not being hyperbolic. This is not fear-mongering. This is how these people, in their own words, describe their own legislation and their own policies. And if that weren't bad enough, here's what the state's current governor then said about that exchange. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So, so I think this was really blown out of proportion. So in case anyone was confused by what was just said there, he is in fact referring to post-birth abortion or post-delivery abortion, which is more commonly referred to as murder. Make no mistake, when we're talking about these late-term abortions, these post-birth abortions, or infanticide, that's, that's another word for it, the argument that it's just a clump of cells really doesn't apply anymore. And I wish it weren't so, but frankly, so many of the arguments I see behind abortion, and especially late-term abortion, are nothing short of eugenics. And I know that's a term that gets thrown around a lot nowadays. It's a term we like to fling out at our opponents to try and demonize them, but in this case, it it absolutely fits. And before we go any further, I think it's really important to clarify and define what exactly eugenics means. According to dictionary.com, eugenics is the study of or belief in the possibility of improving the qualities of the human species or a human population, especially by such means as discouraging reproduction by persons having genetic defects or presumed to have inheritable undesirable traits, i.e. negative eugenics. Honestly, that is a pretty sanitized definition of eugenics, and if you weren't familiar with the term before this, then you're probably wondering what's, what's the big deal. That kind of sounds 
like a good thing. I mean, we've all at some point been cut off in traffic by some low IQ driver or had to deal with incompetent coworkers and thought to ourselves, just please don't have kids, right? And conversely, I know I at least have looked at the children of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and thought to myself, man, those are some good looking kids. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst thing if they pumped out a couple more of those, you know, really raise the average attractiveness level of the general population. You see, those types of thoughts are representative of negative and positive eugenics. But if we look at history, specifically, I don't know, 19th century history, we see that eugenics as a concept can get so, so much darker. Probably the most infamous practitioners of eugenics were the Nazis. And I don't mean Catholic high school boys in MAGA hats, I mean the literal Nazis. According to the Holocaust Encyclopedia, Quote, the euthanasia program was Nazi Germany's first program of mass murder. It predated the genocide of European Jewry, the Holocaust, by approximately two years. The program was one of many radical eugenic measures which aimed to restore the racial integrity of the German nation. It aimed to eliminate what eugenicists and their supporters considered life unworthy of life. Those individuals who, they believed, because of severe psychiatric, neurological, or physical disabilities, represented both a genetic and a financial burden on German society and the state. The Nazi belief that some people's lives would just be too miserable or unproductive to even be worth living, therefore it's better to just kill them now, was responsible for some of the most heinous acts in all of history. And if any of you are familiar with the abortion debate, it's a concept that sounds shockingly similar, i.e. identical, to a lot of the things that pro-choice advocates are putting forth today. How many times do abortion advocates try to argue that since some children might grow up poor or without parents that it's better for them just to be aborted now? Life unworthy of life. And it is true, children who are born into poverty are disproportionately more likely to be aborted than those who aren't. As heartbreaking a reality as children growing up in poverty is, you don't get to decide and I don't get to decide, no one should get to decide whether these kids' lives are worthy of living in the first place. I mean, speak to anyone you know who grew up in poverty or without parents or in the foster system and although it's it's a hard life, a life we should be trying to make better for those people, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of them won't say they would rather have been aborted than be alive. Just a hunch. And to this, I've seen so many pro-choice people say, well, if you really cared about these children in poverty, then, then you would want welfare programs and big government handouts, but you don't. Therefore, I, I guess we shouldn't just, we can just kill them? I'm not, I'm not actually sure how that argument is, is supposed to reason out. But anyway, conservatives are the people who advocate for things like capitalism and the nuclear family. The, the two things that have been proven the most effective at lifting people up out of poverty throughout all of history throughout the entire planet. So you know what? Yeah, I do kind of feel like I am doing my part to try and lift children out of poverty. And you know what? Even if I'm not, heck, at least I'm not advocating killing them. But anyway, let's move along before I get too nasty because the area where the eugenicists of the pro-choice movement really get to show their true colors is when it comes to the issue of people with birth defects. And that's right, I, I call them people. Because they are. One of the most commonly cited reasons why late-term abortions specifically should be allowed by law is that there are a lot of birth defects out there that aren't detectable until later on in pregnancies. The rationale behind this is that women should be able to choose whether they spend the rest of their lives caring for a child who may be severely disabled. And to that I've got to say that adoption is always, 
always an option. Just because you may not want or feel prepared to take care of this child, there is someone else out there who might. And actually, we should be doing more to encourage and enable adoption. It's way too expensive and takes way too long currently. That's something that we as a society should work on. But the answer here, again, just not killing anyone who we find undesirable. Life unworthy of life, right? And the belief that some children would just be too much trouble to raise, therefore better to just abort them. That's something that we see, especially with Down syndrome. And to that end, there's an op-ed from the Washington Post that I would like to read called The Real Down Syndrome Problem, Accepting Genocide by George F. Will. Because apparently in some European Nordic countries, it is so common to abort Down syndrome pregnancies, they've essentially wiped out their entire population of people who have Down syndrome. To quote the article, Iceland must be pleased that it is close to success in its program of genocide. But before congratulating that nation on its final solution to the Down syndrome problem, perhaps it might answer a question, what is this problem? To help understand why some people might ask this question, meet two children. One is Augusta, age 8, a citizen of Iceland. The other is Lucas, age 1, an American citizen in Dalton, Georgia, who recently was selected to be 2018's spokesbaby for the Gerber Baby Food Company. They are two examples of the problem. Now, before Iceland becomes snippy about the description of what it is doing, let us all try to think calmly about genocide without getting judgmental about it. It is simply the deliberate, systematic attempt to erase a category of people. So what one thinks about a genocide depends on what one thinks about the category involved. In Iceland's case, the category is people with Down syndrome. In Iceland, upward of 85% of pregnant women opt for prenatal testing which has produced a Down syndrome elimination rate approaching 100%. Augusta was one of only three Down syndrome babies born there in 2009. Iceland could have moved one-third of the way to its goal if only Augusta had been detected and eliminated. Augusta's mother is glad the screening failed in her case. The article then continues that about 750 British Down syndrome babies are born each year, but 90% of women who learn that their child will have, actually that their child does have Down syndrome, have an abortion. In Denmark, the elimination rate is 98%. America, where 19% of all pregnancies are aborted, is playing catch-up in the Down syndrome elimination sweepstakes. Elimination rate of 67%. So is France, 77%, which seems determined to do better. In 2016, a French court ruled that it would be inappropriate for French television to run a two-and-a-half-minute video, Dear Future Mom, released for World Down Syndrome Day, which seeks to assure women carrying Down Syndrome babies that their babies can lead happy lives, a conclusion resoundingly confirmed in a 2011 study, Self-Perceptions from People with Down Syndrome. The court said, though, that the video is likely to disturb the conscience of women who aborted Down Syndrome children. That op-ed may be the best thing to have come out of the Washington Post in like ever and you know what as much as I want to go on a long rant about how valuable the lives of people with Down syndrome can be and are they actually don't need me to speak for them they are plenty capable of doing it for themselves and in fact here is a speech by a very brave very eloquent man that went viral when it was released but to those who question the value of people with Down syndrome, I would like, you know, I would make three points. First, we, 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 are, we are a medical gift to society, a blueprint for, for, for medical research into cancer, Alzheimer's, and immune system disorders. 
Second, we are in an unusually powerful source of happiness. A Harvard-based study has discovered that people with Down syndrome, as well as their parents and siblings, are, are happier than society at large. Surely happiness is, is worth something? Finally, we are the, we are the canary in the, eugenics, in the eugenics coal mine. We are giving the world a chance to think about the ethics of choosing which humans get a chance at life. If you support abortion, specifically late-term abortion, because you want to get rid of people like that, then I'm sorry. You support genocide. That's there, There's no nicer way to put it. And again, Nazi comparisons are thrown around a lot today, but in this case, apt. Very apt. But that's all for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.